wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two of us. of us. You and you I. And I. Well, just the two of us again, Matt. Beautiful singing as well. I'm, I'm really impressed with how it sounds. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback on it too, and uh, people love it. They want more. Apparently. They want not, They want a full album. <laughs> Christmas, yep. num- Christmas number one, 2022. <laughs> hmm. Long week, Matt. Uh, well, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting week getting up to Canberra, and uh, and you know we had kind of quite a few clients to see, plus the. Uh, Farmers National Farmers Federation Conference, that was which, 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 which we weren't at, but we walked past it, and <laughs> some some people grabbed us. Uh, I think you had to, you think you had to have a green shirt to be there. Uh, but yeah, good good to meet lots of people. Good to meet lots of humans again, rather than Zoom. I was actually surprised by the, the people that we've met that we speak about or speak to on Zoom often. Uh, you sort of don't realise whether they're tall or whether they're short. Mm, that's true. Everyone's that's true. the same. Everyone's the same height when they're on Zoom. Mm-hmm. We're all equals. We're all equals here well, on Zoom. Well, some are more equal than others. Um, yeah, a lot happened in the market this week as well. So I thought it was a good idea to sort of just have a quick market update and see what was happening. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the exciting thing from a red meat perspective, and I think it crosses into other parts of agriculture, but um, is the announcement with the India Australia. Um, a reduction in tariffs, I guess, for some commodities, but but the prospect of maybe eventually moving into a free trade deal, which would be fantastic. Yeah, well, it's sort of it's been one of the, like talking to a lot of guys in Canberra. There was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, positivity from the sheep people, from uh, Bonnie Skinner. Yep. And uh, after a few drinks, there was a couple of comments made towards the grain growers about how they've got nothing from it, but look at us, good sheep people. <laughs> but it looks looks like it will be mainly positive for for sheep and sheep and wool. Although, yeah, they don't do much there, do they? There's not much sheep going there at the moment. Not not presently. They they do take some of our wool, but obviously the the big uh, participant in the wool space is China. Um, but a country like India, with you know, I guess similar type. Um, uh, you know, ability to do the proce- processing side of the wall, and and also, I guess, a lower cost base in terms of um, employment, like like a China. Um, you know, it opens up an opportunity there to diversify that wall market. And if and it, from a grains point of view, like there wasn't much immediate that was interest. Like the chickpeas, still no movement on chickpeas that was removed from the discussions. Same with dairy, yeah. lentils. Uh, lentils is uh, lentils is one, wasn't it? That was that was a no. Prospect. Lentils hasn't changed. The tariffs have been removed on them anyway. So, like, and and the wheat. The, the reality is, we'll have years where there is wheat going into India. We've had years like 2016 and around about then. There was a lot of wheat going into India, but now there's a lot of wheat coming out of India. So, look, pretty much a a bit of a fluff for uh, for for grains. But look again, opens up the doors for for future potential. And what about beef? Oh, you know, uh, look, big, you know, big, 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 big Hindu population. Yeah, they're, they're not big beef eaters, I believe. Um, look, there's there's a significant number of um, Christian, Christ, when you say in percentage terms, there's not a lot of Christians, but you're talking about a population of 1.3 billion or so, and which means given the small population of Christians, it's still around 33 million Christians um, across India. And then you've got a 200 sizable. Million, 200 million Muslim. 
Yeah, that's right. The, the Muslim population, a lot of it's in the north and that tends to be a little bit lower GDP per capita there. So even though they would still be able to eat beef, um, if it's a higher value kind of, you know, it might be a, an economic consideration. So it's probably more likely to see the Christians consuming it initially. Um, but, you know, beef's not on the list yet either. But, you know, the, look, it's, it's one of those things where I think any time we diversify, even if it's only for a, a selection of com- not all of our commodities, diversification is always a good thing. And we're seeing that in the export numbers um, for this month for red meat. Yeah. And, look, I, there was, I think there was a lot of disappointment. We actually, we, we actually had breakfast with, without name dropping, we had breakfast with the uh, grain growers, organization and david little proud was in attendance he little proud had a bit of a fanboy moment didn't he uh well i think you could say we were a little proud andrew um when when david little proud recognized the uh the logo for t- but not obviously not the egg watches he wouldn't know who they are but um he recognized the tm logo that's always nice to see your logo recognized before you are and he, he didn't he didn't stab us or anything or or get us arrested by security details so can't be too didn't, bad. What do you say? Us, you guys are the you, yep. you guys are the market guys. We see your logo everywhere. So. Something something like that. Always always <coughs> nice always nice to hear that kind of feedback from uh, someone as uh, important as David Littleproud. Yeah, and if you know if he, uh, you know, deputy leader of of the Nationals, you know one day he might make the prime minister if he keeps reading our stuff. So. Uh, we'll just see. We'll see how the we'll see how the election uh, how the election kind of progresses. I guess once it gets announced, but um, you never know. It could be a whole new group. Could be. Uh, we'll have to find, then. We'll have to find out who the ag minister is for the shadow one, Julia something or other. Collins. Was, Collins. Yeah. yeah. Made a big impression on everyone. Yep. Uh, uh, but yeah, going going back to market. We'll try and keep this one short because I've got bloody sore throat. Haven't got mm-hmm. COVID. Feel like I've got COVID, but must just be the uh, the cigars and whiskey over the last couple of days. Mm. But I mean, wheat's had a lot of stuff. Wheat and grains, really, in the last week, which is really quite interesting. Is I find it really interesting that you know everybody's all of a sudden talking about the deterioration and the derelication of uh, the, the 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 U.S. wheat crop. Um, the reason why they're talking about it more so is because the USDA has finally put out the first national number. So nationally, the crop is 30% good stroke excellent. Uh, you don't need to know the rest. All you need to know is, well, that's big or small. It's small. So, uh, but the data's been out for a while. Like mm. not every state, but <laughs> been a, the last month, there's been that creeping information out from all the, the major grain production states, which has shown that it's in a poor conditions. You know, if you look at them, if you put it on a map, it basically follows the drought, funnily mm. enough. Yeah. Conditions are bad. They've not changed much between now and two weeks ago when we were talking about it. But maybe uh, maybe yeah. some of these participants have had their heads stuck in other areas of the world, you know, and they just all of a sudden realize that there's more, been... there's more to the world than the Black Sea. So, mm. Mm. Look, I think, again, this is making it start to look like a, you know, more than a, I guess, a, a two, ho- a one horse race when it comes to g- grain pricing, quite a bit of it is now starting to come from issues in the US. Mm. Um, and even Egypt now at the moment is sort of another interesting move from them, a bit of a change in trade flows. But going back to India, Egypt's looking at potentially taking Indian wheat to replace Russian stroke Ukrainian volumes. And that's something they've never really done because 
they've got some phytosanitary issues. So mm. everything is changing quite quickly, and, and that's what is quite quite mad. That's, um, the, that's a curious one too with India. I think I remember an article you did a little while back where it shows that India <clears throat> can both be an exporter of wheat but also an importer depending upon the season. Same with barley, very seasonal. Mm. Like I remember, I remember reading somebody's article and they were talking about how India was a, a great importer, but they'd never actually looked at the export side of it. And when mm. you start to look at that, it becomes a very, very different picture. Uh, but yeah, a lot of a lot of focus still on Ukraine, clearly. But that U.S. crop is is one thing of concern, and I think that's what we're going to see in the coming weeks. Is I made the comment maybe a month or so ago, saying things could get crazy, mm. which a lot of people have picked up on my English saying I think that's an understatement. <laughs> uh, but you know, crazy is a spectrum. Mm. You know, and maybe I should have said crazier, mm. but you know, if things get really bad, you know, February, March of this year could be bloody quite sedate, really. If we're looking back on it in August, thinking, "Geez, that was that was quite a calm time." You never know. We won't mm. know in hindsight. Well, that's another thing you've commented on before many times around the the volatility you can sometimes see in the middle of the year as we come into that. Northern Hemisphere. Well, if you've got that volatility, yeah. that just ranges up in the middle of the year, which coincides mm. quite heavily with uh, quite heavily with the Northern Hemisphere harvest. Something yeah. we were talking about with uh, Malcolm Bartholomew on two podcasts ago was used to, the volatility used to be at the start of the year. Mm. Over the last ten years, it's really been the middle of the year on average. But I think that I think the other thing is the canola. The canola market has gone absolutely crazy again. Like when you think about it, for this point of the year. We're basically a little bit earlier than more last year. Last year we had the rally in late April, and uh, now we're actually seeing it rallying up again, especially in the West. Like the West has gone to crazy prices for new crop. Uh, but again, the things like Ukrainian sunflower is off the market, and uh, there's a lot of concerns about that. There's a lot of concerns about the uh, South American soybean crop being, being lower than expected. And then talking to a guy from Canada this morning, like it's not necessarily going to be a good crop in Canada. That dry belt that's in the US extends up, extends up into ex, Canada, ex, extends right up into Canada, and you know they're going to need a big drink to get get ahead. Moisture levels are pretty average just now, but you need April and May to make the crop, and they're not sitting on much in the way of moisture. So mm. it's, it's it's like it's a really interesting one, I think. You know, things are set pretty well for, for the rest of the year. Well, let's not say they're set for the rest of the year. They're set just now for seeding to be good pricing levels. And I think the only major risk I see for, for massive downfalls and massive quick downfalls is if the EU changes tact. You know, if large parts of, you know, ground that was set aside for crops is, for, for, for conservation is put back into cropping or if they remove those biofuel mandates. That's the only two things that are going to put huge supplies back on the table and remove some of what's lost from, from Ukraine and, and Black Sea. Mm. So, like, really interesting times. And, um, like, I think we'll just we'll just see. But I think uh, it will be a very tense period in a lot of countries at the moment when you look at those food prices. We saw last night. I showed you that video of the yeah Peruvians. beginnings of yeah, riots in Peru. So and there was also riots in Sri Lanka. Yeah, so I've got a feeling that Pant and Bear will probably be getting asylum in London to get away from the uh, the Peruvian riots. Mm. So, no, that's possibly possibly an, uh, an 
outcome that could happen. Um, but just getting back to that story around that diversity of markets, side, I didn't get a yeah. chance to really speak about exports. We saw the export figures come out for March. That's what I was going to ask, because China's taken over again. Yeah, China's moved <coughs> up into second spot. Um, if you look at just for the first quarter of 2022, they're now just over 19% of the market share compared to 18.6% for South Korea. So, um, you know, it wasn't so much that South Korea has fallen away because they've actually had an increase to their, you know, their month-on-month figures. But China's just been steadily chugging along, whereas South Korea had a bit of a lower February. Um, but, uh, you know, and then you compare it to like, you know, like China's running about 15% below the average kind of five-year pattern. But in terms of volumes, which when you think about, when you think about, we've got um, issues with uh, abattoirs still having access into China for beef. Yeah, you know, that's still limited. Um, we've got high domestic prices compared to the rest of the world. We've got low supply. So, all things considered, for China to be only fifteen percent under trend is pretty good. And South Korea is about seven and a half percent under trend. So, you know, the demand in South Korea is still pretty robust. Um, but but of, but there usually is a bit of a jump in Feb in March. Like after the lunar New Year, yeah, 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 um, yeah. Look, and, you do see that you do see that seasonal kind of trend for sure. Um, but I'm I'm really comparing, I guess, what the what the averages have been or what what the volumes have been compared to the average flows for the first quarter. Like if you look at somewhere like Japan, they're 27 percent below the five year trend, so that's significantly softer, and, and the US are 44 percent below. So you know, at times when you've got some key markets going softer with their demand you get this kind of um pickup from other markets with you know increased demand so that you know that, that really demonstrates that benefit and, and the likes of an india and india potentially coming into the mix maybe some more in sheep meat space and mutton space but lamb space um but you know if we can get that up and running in the next few years because it's going to take some time but that just gives another alternative market um for the sheep meat side other than either the us or china which are the two big ones there one of the things we, we we bumped into a whole bunch of people from WA. Yep. And uh, it was quite interesting because they've obviously been in prison for the last two years, largely. Oh, sorry, not prison, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're actually starting to actually starting to feel a bit of a bit of COVID in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, in, within the I mean, creeping into the <clears throat> WA processing sector. Well, everywhere really, but the yeah. processing sector especially. We, we've already had that in East Coast. We're we're over it now, but WA processing sectors come under a bit of pressure. Yeah, and it's a fairly compared to the east, it's a much smaller uh, sector. So, and 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 you know, the, the pool of potential workers is probably a bit trickier to source from too. So, um, it has seen a reduction in in weekly throughput for for processing over there. But um, we just have to see how it plays out and how long it kind of persists what, there. In terms of processing, what they've got, they've got Wamco. Uh, down in down in Catan, yeah, there's the there's, the, the Minerva okay. group that have got yeah got a couple there that have, it's only a recent takeover I guess uh, was late last year I think that that, so that what, was what, would have, we wouldn't have more than five abattoirs and oh yeah that's it, yeah in terms of the major ones there's, there's not many at all it'd be I think it'd be, so it'd be so less that, than five because <clears throat> what you're talking I don't know less than twenty thousand fifteen thousand head a week roughly mm. on average so it doesn't take much to have a big reaction of one plant either you have one shift off. That's yeah. going to pull, pull, pull it down pretty considerably. 
Well, yeah, we, we saw exactly that happen in South Australia earlier in the year. They've pretty much got one, one main beef processor in South Australia and that, that plant got impacted and it pretty much, I mean, the flows there dropped from 4,000 a week down to about 100 because it was that one plant that does it all. Uh, West Australia is not quite as, uh, you know, uh, limited as that, but certainly with only a handful, um, you know, it doesn't take much before you've got significant impact to your weekly flows. May you live in interesting times. Yep, there we go. That's probably it, isn't it? The only other thing that we've had with those discussions, like a lot of farmers, we were lucky to have dinner quite a few nights and I was going to say late night drinks, but probably more appropriate time is early morning drinks with uh, a lot of people who represent farmers from around the country and a lot of farmers. And Given, But, the, the, but it, it, all positive though, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It is generally all still positive and <coughs> what, there's lots of stuff that are causing market turmoil and whatnot globally, but but there's a lot of positives also to, to, to keep in mind as well. Um, one thing would be remiss of us, Andrew, to mention, uh, given it's just the two of us here, as the song outlined at the start, um, you had a benefit from the podcast that we haven't you haven't done a oh, shout-out. Oh, yeah, I'm going to show it. I don't Basically, we did that just for, for people listening. We did a podcast, maybe I don't know, 10, 15 podcasts ago about black pudding. We had uh, Pacton Park on, Australia's largest haggis and black pudding manufacturer. And uh, I decided to put that podcast on like a Scottish in Victoria expat page, Facebook page. Mm. And I went into a Scottish cafe and uh, we're the only people there. Uh, and uh, the, the, the owner started talking about where they get their haggis and where they get the black pudding from. He started talking about Patton Park. And I said to them, oh, we did a podcast with them. And they said, oh, are you Andrew or Matt? And I was like, I'm Andrew with the accent. I listened to that podcast. That was fantastic. And she wouldn't let me leave without taking a massive... Complimentary. Complimentary ma- goods. A massive bag of uh, of food. It was, it was sort of lunch and dinner for about two, maybe three days. And so... Look, I think it was. We'll give them a plug. We don't. Yeah, we don't. Like, do, we don't normally do it, but it did look like nice food. I haven't been able to get the benefit of some of this product, but um, you know, I'm still happy to uh, to to give a plug to them. Yeah, and it was uh, haggis and kilted or kilted haggis, uh, which is out in uh, Ravenwood, it's Ravenhall. So it's on the way into Melbourne. Mm. Uh, look, if you are going there, uh, just basically just it's called Global at 30 global 3023 so that's a postcode mm. and you can get indian food you can get scottish food and uh yeah you know asian scottish fusion tell them the egg watcher sent you yeah tell them watcher sent you and you you can pay an extra 10 percent so. <laughs> to, to make up for all the food that you were given that sounds good exactly I might so, have to drop in. Might so have drop in there. We, we have said we've been very clear that we're never ever going to do cash for comment. <laughs> we never. We, no, people can't pay to come on and say, "Oh, can we speak to you about our new product? Can we do this?" We're only going to speak to people that we think have something interesting to say, uh, and we're not doing advertisements because a uh, the boring. Apart from this one, because it's black pudding and haggis, and. Uh, I'm definitely... oh, look, was a, she didn't have to uh, provide you with the pro, you know, complimentary goods, but um, you know, if, sometimes if someone does something out of the kindness of their own heart, it's always nice to repay the favour. Well, she was she wasn't going to let me leave, and she was a tough Glaswegian woman, so hmm. I couldn't really I couldn't really argue with her. Hmm. So, well, that's probably it for this week. I'm going to do another rat test to see if I can get a positive. Yep, so, sounds ciao good. For now. Ciao.
Ciao for now. See you when you got nothing on.